Each episode will focus on one event and attempt to answer the oftentimes not-so-simple question, who's to blame? I'm your host, Jonathan Ratchick. This podcast is sponsored by the law firm of Kramer and Levy and Ratchick PLLC and is for entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you think you might have a lawsuit, you should contact an attorney. On the morning of June 24, 2021, Champlain Tower South, a 13-story oceanfront condominium in South Florida, collapsed. So far, rescue crews working around the clock have recovered 97 bodies from the rubble. At least a dozen residents still remain unaccounted for as the recovery efforts continue. In the last episode of The Blame Game, we spoke with an architect, Michael Shillelagh of Michael Shillelagh Architects, to discuss why this unspeakable tragedy occurred and who, if anyone, was to blame such as the structural engineer who had found major structural damage in the building following an inspection two and a half years ago, the architect who had designed the building, and even geotechnical issues which may have compromised the foundation of the building. In this episode of The Blame Game, we turn our attention to the condominium's board of directors, which had been warned about the building's structural issues but never got around to making the necessary repairs. And to help us better understand the role of the condominium's board of directors, and its arguable culpability in the Champlain Tower building collapse, we turn to our guest, Mark Foley of the Folsom Group. Good afternoon, Mark. Jonathan, how are you? Doing well, my friend. Welcome to The Blame Game. Thanks. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. So, Mark, you describe your company, the Folsom Group, as efficiency experts for co-op and condo boards. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? What does that mean? Sure. Uh, We are financial consultants and efficiency experts. So, when I say efficiency, I say both in the energy and green sense. We help buildings run greener, uh, which also helps them run cheaper and more ecologically sound. Uh, we also help them run more efficiently on a financial basis. Uh, both my partner and I, our backgrounds are you know, 25 plus years as Wall Street analysts. We take the same skills that we used analyzing multi-billion dollar companies into uh, analyzing buildings, how to make them run, again, more, more efficiently from a financial basis our goal is to increase cash flow, reduce expenses, so that you do not need to increase your maintenance and or common charges. This puts more money back into homeowners' pockets. It also increases property values because as your monthly charges uh, level off or decrease, the value of the property itself increases. How do you decrease the common charges in a building? And I'm thinking like for some of our listeners who might not live in a, you know, a co-op or condo- condominium, you know, what are common, what are the common, common charges, so to speak? Sure. So in a co-op, condo, HOA, whatever you want to call it, any kind of community living, you know, the building has common charges. That's for the upkeep, maintenance of the building. Some buildings include electricity and gas in there. Uh, it includes the staff. It includes snow removal, you know, all literally everything that goes into the maintenance of the building. Everything you're not doing yourself, basically. Everything you're not doing yourself, exactly. You know, we're, we're consultants. Some people have described us, you know, the easy way to think of us is like a McKinsey and company for residential real estate. Fortune 500 companies spend millions of dollars a year, a year having outside consultants come in, telling them how to run more efficiently, save money for them, for the shareholders. So they might re- reduce expenses, uh, you know, two, three, five percent, which doesn't sound like a lot, but... You know, year over year, 
it that's, adds up. that's significant savings. It adds up. And if you live in a co-op or a condo, you know, in general, your monthly fees go up roughly 5% every year. So if you can prevent that from happening, you know, why would you, why would you not want to do it? It's, it's money in your pocket. It's, it's not decreasing service by any means. Sometimes we're actually able to run more efficiently and increase services. So what, you know, why you would not want to do that is beyond me. You know, the other thing, when a Fortune 500 company brings in a consultant, they pay hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, millions of dollars a year for the service. We do it on a shared savings basis. So what I mean by that is that we only get paid based on what we save for our clients. So if we don't save the client any money, they don't pay us a dime. Understood. That's, that's an interesting lead, I think, into, kind of, into, into today's episode. Um, which is a sort of a follow-up on the Champlain Towers building collapse in in Miami. And one of the things, so you know, on this on this podcast, one of the th- our goal is always to identify who, if anyone, is to blame for tragedies such as this. And there are there's a lot of finger pointing going on right now. Whether it's at the structural engineer who warned the co- the condominium board several two and a half years ago that there were major structural problems with the building, to perhaps even the architect. Uh, who the structural engineer was blaming for perhaps not designing the uh, the pool deck properly. and But one of the things that stood out for me is that the condominium board itself, I would imagine, I think it is arguably shares, has the lion's share of the blame in a case like this because they were warned by the structural engineer that there were problems and didn't do anything about it. And this is something that you encounter often when dealing with condominium and co-op boards. You know, Jonathan, sadly, that's true. You know, we, we can advise boards. Uh, you, know, you, you can advise somebody to do something, but you can't force them to do it. You know, it's the classic, you know, lead, lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Uh, it's the most frustrating thing that we deal with. Co-op condo HOA boards are notorious for dysfunction. You know, sometimes there's malfeasance going on. You know, mm-hmm. the, the board members are... Well, for lack of a better word, you know, corrupt. Other times they're just unqualified. They decide, hey, you know, I want to give back to the community. So even though I have no experience in anything related to running a business, which is what a building is, uh, you know, I'm going to sit on here anyway. Other people want to get on there for, you know, self-serving interests. You know, yeah, I want so to get my really kitchen, get their kitchen renovated. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, it's true. It's sad, but true. So, and that appears to have been the case with this condominium board at Champlain Towers, where, you know, after they had received this kind of grim assessment from the structural engineer about the, you know, widespread problems, structural problems in with the building, it, they just turned on one another. And there was just lots of inf- like infighting. And everyone, because I understood it, it was going to cost a lot of money. It was, I mean, I think when they ultimately secured a line of credit, it was something like 12 to $15 million. And no one wanted to be the one responsible for breaking that news to the, um, to the residents. Right. And, th- and that's a problem too. You know, sometimes board members, you know, people in general, they want to be liked. They don't want to have to go to their fellow homeowners and say, Hey, you owe me a thousand dollars a month. And this is why they they'll put it, kick the can down the road. You, you know, I don't know what part of major structural damage didn't seek in with people. It, 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 it's really incredible. From what they say, we didn't understand what that meant. And really, the structural engineer should have even spelled it out to us as in, your building's going to collapse if you don't do these repairs. But I, I would agree with you. I think if somebody tells you that there's major structural damage and you're sitting on the co- 
on the condominium board, you must have some idea as to what that means or what the risks are of not addressing it. You know, so back to the line of credit. So condominiums, by definition, do not have an underlying mortgage. If you live in a co-op, the building itself has a mortgage that's part of your monthly payment. With a condo, you own the property outright, so the building itself has no mortgage. So for a $12 million line of credit, that's actually not out of line with a co-op of that size, what the underlying mortgage would be. So if you do the math, it's, uh, what did we say, 12 million, but I think there are about 200 units. Yeah, I think about maybe like a little less than 100, and, I think there were 135 units. Yeah, so that's $60,000 per per unit is, is the nut for the line of credit. And if you divide that over four years, it's $1,200 a month. It's a lot of money, but it's certainly better than what we saw happen. Um, if you divide that over you know, four years, they'd have one more year left to go and the building would likely still be standing. And then, of course, you know, we're not trying to gloss over the human tragedy, but I mean, it was you know, a mass killing that could have been avoided. Oh, absolutely. And to not look, hindsight is always twenty twenty. but I don't think you need hindsight to know that if you don't address some of these problems, something catastrophic is going to happen. And I'm wondering, does, did the board tell the residents that they got this, this you know, this report from the, the structural engineer and this is what he's recommending that they do? Or is it something that just goes on behind closed doors? And now, sadly, after a tragedy, it's now the light is brought out into the open and people actually see what's going on in this building or for that matter, what's not going on. And, and one thing we advise all of our buildings and all of our boards on is to have full transparency. One, it keeps the conspiracy theorists at, at bay and they live in every single building. We talk to a lot of buildings and they'll say, oh, you, you don't understand. Our building is different. They'll tell us a, a different a particular problem. We'll say, oh yeah, we've seen that in the last five buildings. You know, the types of problems, the types of residents the complaints you get, they're, they're fairly standard across the board. If you're honest with people and explain it properly, as in this case could have, should have been done, people are pretty understanding. Not everybody, but as a whole, people are understanding. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been to co-op board meetings before and they, they can get contentious. They certainly do. There are certainly some residents who are dead set against any maintenance increase under any circumstances whatsoever. Right. I mean, we've seen buildings not want to raise maintenance and they're running at a deficit. So they basically bankrupted their uh, reserve fund. And then something happens that, you know, the roof needs to be replaced. The elevator needs to be replaced. All of a sudden you're on the hook for a few million dollars and you have to go back to these same people who you were telling, oh, no, everything's fine. We don't even need to raise our maintenance. And, it, you know, it, it doesn't sit very well. And you, know, you could argue that that's a violation of their fiduciary responsibility. Sure. Going back to these people, you know, dithering for three years while the building was crumbling, try to get all of our boards to to act. You know, we'll give them an action list and say, this is what needs to be done. In, in severe cases, we'll have a triage. Like, this needs to be done immediately. And this is why you need to vote on this. Not, well, we didn't get to it this month. We'll wait, you know, whatever else. Yeah, they had, and I think they had board members who were resigning and quitting over the board's being incapable or unwilling to address any of these problems. It was just so much infighting that people were just quitting. And sadly, what that meant is that the problems just weren't getting addressed at all. Right. And usually in cases like that, it's the competent board members, the ones you don't want to lose, who are just fed up and say, look, I've had enough. So you're, you're left with you know, the, 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 the dregs 
<laughs> of the of the board, the, the, the dregs of uh, condominium board living. The reg, yeah, and that's and that's and that's saying something. You know, pe- people need to make decisions. That is part of your job. You need to make tough decisions. And you know, it's been said that the the best decision is the right decision. The second best decision is the wrong decision. The worst result is to make no decision at all, and that's which is what happened in this case. And I'm and I'm thinking. If they had just addressed the problem when they were told about it two and a half years ago, maybe it's a five or six million dollar job and they get it under control as opposed to letting it wait for two or three years. And then all of a sudden the problems, obviously they didn't go away. They got exponentially worse. And now it's a 12 to 15 million dollar problem. Right. And and that's a, that's a good point. We, we've actually seen that with different types of repairs where you know, there's a hundred thousand dollar repair job needs to be done. It's ignored for seven years and it just worsens. All of a sudden it's a half a million dollar job. So the last thing that I'm wondering about is, and this is more of a concern from probably not just for personal injury attorneys, but for, you know, the residents as well is how do they go about getting compensation for their loss? I mean, look, no amount of money in the world is going to compensate, you know, surviving residents and families for the loss of their loved ones. But in any type of case like this, you know, like a mass, a mass tragedy, there's only so much liability insurance to go around. The building probably has, I imagine, a policy of insurance. I mean, you you know more than I do. What type of insurance, liability insurance, does a condominium board carry? I mean, I would expect they have a liability policy, maybe an excess policy, but I don't, I don't know what else there is. Yeah. So, you know, all the policies are slightly different. This one would probably be challenged by the insurance company because of the report that came out that said, you know, major structural damage that was ignored. You know, you're, you're, you're giving the insurance company a huge opening. Yeah, for a disclaimer. Exactly. So, I mean, this is, this will probably be a landmark case in, in, in insurance. It's going to be years. This is my, you know, just my, my personal opinion. It's going to be years before this is settled. You know, there are so many holes you could drive a truck through with with sure. a claim for the, for the building. Uh, the individuals may have a little bit better result because, uh, again, it's a condo, so it's just like owning your own home. So they would likely be able to get some sort of recompense uh, provided and, provided they had their own you know homeowners policy, right? Which is generally required. I, I I'm I'm going to be under the assumption that 99 percent of them did. Uh, and then their insurance company would likely pay them, and then the insurance company would likely go after you know whoever they deem to be the culprit. Correct. So, but I think, but I, my understanding is that only compensates you for your um, for your property damage for your property loss. Correct. And you know you're not going to get the full value of your your heirlooms, your jewelry, you know your your grandmother's diamond ring that was lost. Uh, you know, the, the understood. And certainly, I don't think you get any. Comp- you won't get any compensation for any wrongful death claim that you might have, for, or for any pain and suffering that anyone uh, anyone experienced following the building collapse. You know, it's just it's just an unbelievable tragedy all around, from the human aspect, you know, the emotional aspect, and here we're talking about the financial aspect. It's yeah, uh, you know, not to say that you could put a price on this, but look, look, it's it's real life that all figures in that you know. That's why you have insurance to to insure against the worst, and in this case, they may have avoided it. I would agree with you there. Look, ho- hopefully, after a tragedy like this, it will serve as a wake up call for other, you know, co op and condo boards, right? And you know, maybe they'll start listening to their trusted advisors, and when they tell them something, they'll start listening to them. And that's and that's the thing we always tell you know whatever 
area it is, uh, uh, you know, your trusted advisor, whether it's insurance, legal, whatever, you're, you're using these people for a reason. Listen to them. Take their advice. That's what they do. If not, why are you wasting your time and money? Yeah, there's no point in hiring a structural engineer to, to assess the building, only to then ignore his report uh, and any of the recommendations uh, contained within it. Right. Well, the building's going to fall down, but it's too expensive to uh, shore it up. So we'll just wait and just hope for the best. Put a couple of Band-Aids on it. Keep our fingers crossed. Beautiful. Yeah. And we know how that worked out. Yeah. Well, Mark, I want to thank you for coming on The Blame Game this afternoon. Jonathan, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Pleasure being with you. It's always a pleasure uh, speaking and catching up with you and I hope to see you in person sooner rather than later. Sounds good. All right, my friend. Be well. You as well. Thanks again. Take care. You're listening to The Blame Game. This episode was brought to you by Kramer, Dunleavy, and Ratchik, PLLC. Come check us out at kdrpilawyers.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank you and have a great day.